Well, good morning. Here we go, huh? It feels like fall, doesn't it? Man, for those who are online, I know there's, I got a friend in Colorado who must be watching. It's a typical uh, fall day in the Northwest. That's why I wore orange, be the great pumpkin. And, uh, but it, it's cool outside, it's raining for those of you who aren't here. And, uh, and there are some people who actually live here who think it's the way it should be. So we will pray for your sickness. And uh, anyway, today we are kicking off that series on family values that Brian mentioned. And I am excited about it. I'm excited to share with you the first part. And, I, and uh, actually, I get to do the second part too. So um, here's what I want you to know our family values are how we grow as people to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what our family values are, okay? That's what they're, so they're there. We kind of say, this is how we're going to live our lives through these different things. There are actually five of them at Arbor, and uh, here's what they are. Can you see them on the screen? We're going to read through them with me together, would you? Live invitationally, engage consistently, grow spiritually, give generously, and serve sacrificially. Don't put that slide down quite yet because I want them to look at that for just a second. Um, well, you can see the acronym there. Legs. Legs. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with that on staff. You know, legs with two Gs. They're great and glorious or gorgeous or something. Uh, Arbor has these great legs and all that kind of good stuff. But that's the acronym. But it's just to help you remember what those things are. And today we're going to be talking about the first one, which is live invitationally. And honestly, when I was listening to Brian's message from last week, I was in Spokane visiting my father last week, and, and as, I'm, as I'm there, I'm listening to the message, and I thought, well, he didn't just conclude a summer with Jesus, he kind of gave an introduction to what it means to live invitationally, didn't he? Yeah. In fact, I, I think what he said, and if you don't remember this, I'd suggest you go back and look at it, what he said is this, there is a time to be with Jesus, and there's a time to show up like Jesus, and, uh, and then he talked about his friend Don, who uh, actually epitomized and exemplified what it means to live a life invitationally, to actually invite other people into your life, to do life with you. And he talked about what a difference it made for him, uh, a complete difference in just the way that that guy let him into his life and saw his life and living for Christ. And, and um, so I'd kind of like you to think about that as the introduction to our series. That allowed me then to to say, okay, that's such a great example of that. Now let's look at it and say, so what, how should we do that? What's the focus we should have in carrying that out? What's the urgency we should have in how we live our lives invitationally? So I want to ask you some questions to start with, and feel free to answer. I'm expecting you to, and it doesn't matter if you're wrong. I'll pretend you know what you're talking about, okay? What does live invitationally mean, mean to you? If, if somebody says, hey, would you live your life invitationally, what would that mean to you? Invite others in. Invite others in. That, invite others in. That's very good, yeah. Invite others in. The rest of you, it's a good thing you're listening to the message. Um, <laughs> why would we invite people into our lives? To share Jesus with them. Yeah. Now, oh, you know what? To share Jesus with them. And I think really when we invite people into our lives, guess what else they find out? We're real. Because sometimes they might even see you not act like Jesus. Which gives you a chance to be able to explain the fact that you're in process. Amen? amen. Oh man, that's a big amen. That's a big amen for me. So, so, so we're going to invite people into our lives now, now, here's a little side question. What does Jesus say the two greatest commandments in the Bible are? 
Love God and love others. Love God and love people. You guys are doing better now. See, that's really good. That feel good? Yeah, yeah. So if you truly love somebody, you truly, truly love them, what do you want most for them? To know Jesus. To know Jesus. Yeah. Really, when you think about it, if you really love someone, truly love them, if you want anything else for them before that, man, you need to rethink your priorities. You really do. Because the most important thing you could have for anyone that you know, that you care about, that you love, is that they would first and foremost have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it will change everything else about their life. So, here's what I want to propose to you. Living invitationally keeps the focus on Jesus. It keeps us seeing him. Now, Jesus said so much about how we should live our lives. He talked a lot about money and finances and how we ought to handle that. He, taught, he talked against hypocrisy and living fake. He did not like that at all. Man, he wants us to be authentic. He talked about love. He shared a lot about the characteristics of God the Father. We can learn a lot about God and a lot about Jesus by just looking at his teachings. But the teaching I want to talk about today, the thing that he talked about today, kind of is what I would call an umbrella teaching. In other words, it kind of goes over top of a lot of his other teachings. That, that kind of helps you realize the mindset or the focus that we should have as we're looking at a teaching of Jesus and carrying it out in our lives. And that's why today's message, I believe, should have a big influence on your life if you will stop and think about it and then apply it to your life. So let's ask for the Holy Spirit to show us that, okay? Let's just pray together. Lord, thank you that we can ask you, Holy Spirit, to do what we can never do on our own. We're asking you to bring your words into our hearts and our minds and let them penetrate where we live, in our, deep in our spirit, so that where you would want to us to make a move to the right or to the left, Lord, you would speak that to us. We'd be able to see that. We'd be able to engage in that and that we would become more like you because we actually listen to you even this morning. So I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would do that both for those here and for those watching online, that you would minister to them, that you would speak to them and that they would sense and know your voice and your spirit. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to propose this morning that if we are living invitationally, it means that we'll be living ready for Jesus to come back. We'll kind of be living in a state of readiness for him to be able to come back, which, which naturally keeps the focus on him, right? So, so we, could, we could say uh, that to live invitationally keeps our focus on Jesus because that would naturally do that if we're thinking about the fact that he could, he could return at any time. So the scripture we're going to look at is Luke chapter 12. We're going to look primarily at the first five, at five verses, 35 to 40. We'll take a look at a few verses after, after that at the end. Here's what I want you to see as we read through this. I want you to notice how often the word ready shows up. Are you ready? Okay. Verse number 35. Be dressed for service. Now, this is Jesus speaking, okay? So picture Jesus talking to you. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. 
I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. So, Jesus is telling us here how we ought to live. And by the way, he is, if you jumped up to verse 45, you would see that he's speaking to people that he sees as faithful, sensible servants, okay? So that's who, that's his audience. That's who he is speaking this to. So if you have any kind of relationship with Jesus at all, then this really, he's speaking it to you. He's saying, this is how I would like you to live your life. When somebody tells us how we should live our lives overall, what would we call that? Any ideas? What do we call it? He's saying, I, I, here's how I want you to live your life overall. It's a, it's a what? Advice. advice? It's, it's advice. It's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. And the advice tells us how we live life, how we live our life style. So what we're looking at here is Jesus talking about a lifestyle. He's talking about a lifestyle. Something that should weave in and out of our lives as we live our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. So if living invitationally is a lifestyle, what will it influence? Your life, your life, yeah. Some of these aren't hard, really. Uh, I try to kind of throw them up in, you know, softball, you know. Yeah, it's going to infect, it's going to influence your life. And it's going to influence every part of your life if it's your life style, right? So that's what we're looking at. So to live invitationally keeps the focus on Jesus and it will change your actions. It will determine your priorities. It will affect your schedule. It will impact your relationships. It will revise, change your perspective. It will keep you alert, and it will prepare you for the unexpected. Wow, that's a lot. I want to give you an example of that. Um, you know, when I was uh, a senior in college, I was married, and we had a house about two blocks off of the college campus, and I had two of my brothers living with me, Cal, my Caucasian brother, and Dan, my Korean brother. Uh, Cal uh, was a high jumper in college. Dan wrestled for the wrestling team, and I played basketball. And so we weren't competitive at all. But, uh, you, you know, and, and I remember one, we watched these, this movie. Uh, if anybody ever seen um, the Peter Seller movies, Pink Panther? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of you. Yeah, those of you who haven't, well, there's a new part of your education you need to get, but that's beside the point. Peter Sellers acts as this uh, Inspector Clouseau, which is uh, kind of a pun on him just being klutzy, right? He's very, very slapstick, and he always solves the crime in some crazy way that you'd never expect that's kind of accidental, and he thinks he's so smart. He has a sidekick named Cato. Cato's an Asian guy whose deal was this. He was to keep Inspector Clouseau on the guard, on guard, ready. All the time. So he would, he would jump out. He would come out of closets, you know, and attack the inspector to see if he was ready. He, in the Chinese restaurant, he's eating food, and he would show up as a Chinese waitress, you know, dressed like her, and, all, and give him a fortune cookie that says, watch out for the Chinese waitress. And then he'd attack him in the middle of the restaurant, you know. And so we're watching this movie, and, and, and Inspector Clouseau, he would walk into a room, and he'd go, he'd, as soon as he walked in the room, he'd be thinking, oh, Kato is somewhere hiding around, right? So he'd be going, Kato. 
Kato, I know you're here somewhere. Kato, what are you, my friend? Yeah, he's sneaking around like that. And so we're, my brothers and I are talking about that. And we're laughing at this movie. My brother Dan, the, the Korean, he was a brown belt in karate on his way to be a black belt. And he said, he said uh, you know, this is actually something that happens in Japan, that the sensei will do that with his advanced students. His, the, the advanced students, he wants them to be so ready all of the time that it's known that they will go, they'll be in the shopping center and all of a sudden the, the, the sensei will jump out of somewhere to see if his student is ready and prepared to be attacked at any time. Well, that kind of led to a game with us. <laughs> and pretty soon you would walk into the house and you'd be going, Kato, where are you, Kato? I know you're here somewhere. And you're looking around for work because we were jumping out all the time to surprise each other and, and attack each other. So one night, it's, uh, it's, in the, it's winter, there's a dance going on, snow everywhere. And I went down the street and I hid in the bushes because I knew they'd never expect me there. And pretty soon I see my brothers coming with some of their friends down the road and I waited until they got right even with me. And as soon as they got even with me, I jumped out of the bushes and I went, yeah! And my brother Dan, I do not know how he did it. It was like he levitated and landed in the middle of the street like this. <laughs> and I said, you must be ready at all times, my students. And he said, I was, I was, and you'll never get me. You will never get me. Ah, I won't, huh? Okay. Well, it was a few weeks later, 2 o'clock in the morning. I get up. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm just about ready to go back to bed, and I went, ding, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now's my chance. So I go downstairs, and I open his bedroom door. I look in, and sure enough, he's sound asleep. Ran into the kitchen looking for something. Found a broom. Grabbed the broom, and I went back in. I knew, ah, so I took the end of the broom, not the, not the sweepy side, the pointy side, and I poked him. And he's laying there, and I, I poked him again. He's going, ah. And I poked him in. He goes, what are you doing? I said, you must be ready at all times, my student. Wham, wham, wham. Oh, did he get mad. And I kept saying, you are not ready. You must be ready all the time. Wham, wham. He came out of that bed, and I was out of that room, man. And he said, we are going to get you. And now he was talking about him and his brother. We are going to get you, Cliff. We're going to get you. Now, I was married, so they didn't dare come into my room, my bedroom at night. I was safe there, man. And so um, it was a little later. It was like springtime, and this game went on. I mean, it went on, and it changed our schedules. It changed our priorities. It kept us alert. You see all the things that, you, you, that a game can begin to do to you? So uh, my, I'm, I'm coming home from class one day, and I'm thinking, oh, I've got to be ready because one of those guys is going to try and get me, and I'm going to be ready. And all I remember, oh, no, wait a minute. They're both in class. I'm safe. I'm safe. So I'm heading to the door. Now, we always came in the back door. You step in the back door. There were two steps up in the, into the mudroom, and then you kind of turned left, and you went into the mudroom. And uh, there was a little little about eight to ten inches right here that you went past that a guy could stand like this and the person coming in wouldn't see him my brother Cal he had decided I'm gonna get Cliff he ditched class thank you changed the priorities totally didn't it he was standing there just waiting for me man 
And he, I know he was pumped about it because he knew I would figure he, did, he wasn't there. And I came whistling in, man, popped up the two steps, and I took a left, and I hear this. Ha! Ah! Now, here's what he did. He was going to get me good. So he's like this, up against the wall, and he's going to push off with his backside off the wall to come out at me and go, wah! You know, and really get me. And so he's standing like this, and I came up and took the left, and he went, yeah! And his backside went right through the drywall. <laughs> So I came up, and I hear this, yeah, and I go like this, and he is sitting with his behind through, like this, his eyes about this big, and I said, what are you doing? <laughs> ah, just a game can change your perspective, prepare you for the unexpected, keep you alert. Living invitationally keeps the focus on Jesus and does all of those things to our lifestyle. So now we're going to go back and look at that scripture again. We'll walk through it and we'll see the changes it should be making on us if we're going to apply this to our lifestyle, okay? Uh, chapter 12 of Luke, verse number 35. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, Jesus is saying. So there we see that living invitationally affects your schedule and your actions. You see that? So here's what Jesus said. He said, be dressed for service. Uh, what that, if you have the old King James, it has this phrase that's a weird phrase that makes you think it's something, I don't know, well, you understand. Keep your loins girded up. What? And, and if, you, if somebody ever gave you a, a, the old King James Bible and said, man, you should get to know Jesus, you know, <laughs> sometimes there's a little translation that needs to happen. What that meant was keep your loins girded up was this. They wore those big, long, flowing robes, you know, at that time. So what that meant is take your robe, pick it up, you tucked it in your belt. Because if you're going to do any kind of work, the robe would get in your way. So uh, gird your loins up meant take up your robe, put it in your belt, so that you are ready to go. You're ready for work, right? So a, uh, a boxer would say, keep your guard up. Uh, you know, a, uh, a carpenter would say, keep your tool belt on. You know, so, so you get what I'm talking about. It means, it means be prepared for work. Be ready to, to keep on doing what you need to do. A cowboy would say, don't take your spurs off. You still got work in front of you. So then we go on to verse 36. As, oh, no, wait a minute. Let's talk about keep your lamps burning. Keep your lamps burning. The little lamps they used were these little clay lamps that required some attention to keep them going. You need to put more olive oil in them now and again. You need to trim the wick now and again. So Jesus is saying, get, keep dressed ready and keep paying attention to the light that's in you, to the light that you need to be able to pay attention to and keep that going. Now the, now the end of verse 36. As though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Ah, oh, so what he's telling us there is that living intentionally, invitationally, determines your priorities. It, it, it does, re it determines your priorities, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, how you're going to interact with people, what you're going to allow them to do as they engage in your life. It changes and determines your priorities. Now he said, as though the master returns. What does, when you read the word master, what does it imply? A boss, a boss, someone who's in charge, right? And so who's the master here? Jesus, Jesus. So who are the servants to represent? Thank you, yes. 
So Jesus is the master. He's referring to us being ready for him at any time. So here's the thing. We all serve something. And your lifestyle demonstrates who you serve. So this is a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it out loud. The question, though, is this. Who does your lifestyle demonstrate your master is by your lifestyle? Who is your master? Somebody just looked at your lifestyle and made the decision to say, oh, I can see who it is in your life. What would they say? Jesus is saying, man, I want my servants to be ready for me and to live their lives ready for me. And by the way, they were happy to do that for the master. Uh, he didn't want to have to, he was saying, I don't want to have to bang on the door and wait for you guys to wake up and figure it out and come. I want you to be ready any time for him to come. So living invitationally keeps the focus on Jesus. Let's go to the last part of verse 36. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. Do you see how living invitationally will impact your relationships? Your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with other people. Uh, we've talked before about how in this Roman culture there were a lot of servants, there were a lot of slaves, a large percentage of the people, uh, they estimate in over 40%, were either a slave or a servant. So it wasn't like if you were a slave or a servant, we went, oh, I'm the lower caste. You, th there were people who were very, thought of very highly in those positions because of the way they lived out that position. So the good servants who were always paying attention to their master, their eyes were focused on the master. If they moved, they wanted to know why. They wanted to know what, how can I help? What, what's needed? If they're having coffee with somebody, that cup never got, never got empty. If they needed the dishes removed, they, it, was, it, was a, it was a thing of saying, I'm paying enough attention, I know exactly when to come in and do that. If they're getting ready to go somewhere, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? They're taking care of, they're paying attention to, they're engaged with, their focus is on the master. Eyes on him. So Jesus is saying here, I want you to know me so well that when something happens in your life, when somebody comes and talks to you, you're thinking already, what's my master got engaged here? What does he have for me in this relationship with this person? How would he want me to respond to them, to love them, to care for them? How can I live invitationally and keep my focus on Jesus throughout the day? Verse 37, Jesus says, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. Living invitationally revises your perspective. It alters it. It changes it. You begin to look at life differently because you're looking at it through the lens of Jesus, through the focus on him. And, and Jesus is saying, man, these guys have worked so hard. They've kept the lamps burning and everything else. So now the master comes in. Picture this. The master is coming in and he's saying, hey, thanks, man, for being ready. Thanks for standing up for me. Thanks for having me in your thought processes. Here's what I want to do. I want to put on the apron. Let me make some food up. Let me serve you. What? The master is now serving 
The servants? Yes. Yes. And then Jesus says, and by the way, as I do it for you, would you do it for others? Would you be willing to serve them? Jesus would say that the Son of Man does not come to be served, but to serve. And yet he's the master. Yeah. Yeah. Yet he's the one who calls the shots. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus takes the world systems again and again and he flips them upside down and does the opposite. Jesus is the one who makes the rich poor and the poor rich. Jesus is the one who, who says, no, I've got a different way for you to look at the economy. I've got a different way to, for you to look at your life and what you are doing and how I fit in it. What an amazing master. He comes in and says, I'm going to get on my knees and wash your feet. I'm going to be the one to wash your souls clean. I'm going to be the one because I love you so much and I care about you so much. And friends, if your lifestyle is one of living invitationally, it'll be obvious you care about the people that you are inviting into your life. And they'll see Jesus in that. Ah. And that will allow them to begin taking the steps toward Jesus, which we just said when we started this thing, that that'd be the most important thing for anybody we know and care and love. And he's saying it starts with your lifestyle. Are you living invitationally? Verse number 38. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes... He will reward the servants who are ready, ready. Living invitationally is actually rewarding. It is rewarding. Sometimes we miss that. We think that it's all about, oh boy, here I am. I've got to serve. I've got to. Are you kidding me? Once again, I'm getting down on my knees, God, and I'm going to do this for you. And God's going, oh, get over it. I'm going to bless you in this process. And yes, sometimes you'll have to let go of your pride. Sometimes you'll have to let go of what is right. Sometimes you'll have to accept the fact that the way you're being treated is not fair and you'll want to fight and you'll want to make it right. And I'm going to say, no, would you set that aside and let me deal with that? And you just represent me well with people. Well, how in the world am I going to do that, Lord? This isn't right. This isn't fair. This isn't just. I know, I know, I know. Let me deal with that. You have one job here is to love them. Just love just love. You represent me to them. And I had this amazing, amazing love for them. And he's going to reward us. Wow. It, it, isn't it awesome how it just affects everything that we do? And we can begin to see that, how rewarding it is that he would come. And he says, I'm going to give you all kinds of rewards. I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm giving you eternity in heaven. And you get to be my brother, my sister, my friend. Living invitationally does keep our focus on Jesus, both now and eternally. Verse number 39. But understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. Makes sense, doesn't it? You know they're coming, you're going, huh? they, ain't, they ain't breaking in now, I'll tell you that. So living invitationally keeps you alert. It keeps you thinking about that process. Now, when the, what Jesus was talking about here is when he said broken into, it's really more of a dig in than a break in because here's what they would do at that time. 
uh, they, 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 most of the time the thieves would not try to get through the front door because the front door would have a bar in it or if it was a high, high enough, uh, expensive enough home, they might even have a lock or something. And so <clears throat> thieves not going to get in the front door. What they, but they had those baked bricks, you know, which is what the house was made out of. So the thieves would come and they would very quietly as they could, they'd scrape away inside those bricks till they could get a brick loose and slide it out. And then they'd just start, and they'd make an opening right in the wall. That's why I said it's more of a dig-in than a break-in. And when they made the opening in the wall, then they would slide through that opening, and they could get all the stuff they wanted and slide back out. And the idea was that the owner could be sleeping in the house and never know he was being robbed blind. And so Jesus is saying, if you knew they were coming, you'd be prepared for that, and you would not allow it to happen. You'd be prepared for any sign of inappropriate entry. Who's our enemy? Satan's our enemy. The devil's our enemy. He loves to make inappropriate entry into your lives. He loves to come up in a way you don't expect and to all of a sudden dump something on you that'll just mess your mind up. He loves to feed you lies to get you off of the truth to begin to believe you're somebody that you are not. Because if you have a relationship with Jesus, then you are a forgiven child of God that he loves, that he has got a new person in, in you. And everything that you have been and were is no longer the case. And the enemy will come and he'll try, to, he'll try to mess your house up. He'll try to steal your joy. He'll try to take away other stuff from you. And Jesus is saying, you need to be on the alert for him. You need to be ready, my student, at all times. Don't let him come in that way. Don't let him break in like that. Living invitationally keeps the focus on Jesus. Verse 40. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So living invitationally prepares you for the unexpected. The saying about a thief in the night, that's, it's very interesting how that kind of reoccurs throughout the New Testament where uh, it keeps showing up that way. So Paul wrote in, in Thess, First, Thess, First Thessalonians 5 two, you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. See, it'll surprise you if you're not careful. Peter wrote, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. John wrote in Revelation 3.3, 3, I will come like a thief and you'll not know at what time I will come to you. And Jesus was quoted in Revelation 16.15 as saying, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so he might not go naked and be shamefully exposed. There's a picture. Yeah, Jesus said that. I, I love his sense of humor. He's saying, you know, if you aren't living invitationally with your focus on me, you could be surprised. And the surprise that you will get from the enemy will be shameful and will expose you in ways that are embarrassing. And so he's saying, be ready. Be ready so that doesn't happen to you. I got a question I'm going to ask the live audience. I can't see you guys online, so you can lie if you want to. Um, how many of you have ever done something that, is, that, that, in retrospect, has embarrassed the crud out of you? Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. I love the honesty we have here. Honesty. Except for five people who were lying. Uh, but the rest of you are really honest about that. And, and, I, and I love that because you know what? We all, we all have at times, haven't we? 
And now we're looking at that going, oh, I, I can do that. And, and Jesus is saying, if you keep your focus on me and live invitationally, I will use you to impact people that will surprise you, that you'll never even realize that will have an impact on their lives. I'll prepare you for the unexpected. Staying alert. It will affect your schedule, friends, when you're living invitationally that way. It, it will change your actions. It actually determines your priorities as we see here. It'll impact your relationships, your close ones, and those who are further away. It will revise your perspective. It'll change how you see the world when we begin to live with our focus on Jesus. And it will keep you alert. So what if we choose to ignore this? What if we choose to say, yeah, it's an interesting teaching, Cliff, but I think I, I, I'm not going to worry about that. I kind of got, got it covered myself. Well, Jesus warns us about that in verse 45. He actually says this. Uh, but if the servant thinks... My master won't be back for a while. And he begins to oppress the other servants, partying and getting drunk. Well, the master will return unannounced and unexpected. He will tear the servant apart and banish him with the unfaithful. Wow. Wow. Jesus is so incredibly Loving, so incredibly forgiving. But he's also very just. And so here he's saying, listen, I'm warning you and I'm warning you and I'm warning you. Why? Because I love you, I love you, I love you. But if you don't listen, if you don't listen, the results will be very disappointing. At the end of verse 48, he says this, Much is required from those to whom much is given, and much more is required from those to whom much more is given. The much more he's talking about is not financial. Rats. Because if I could have put it off on that, I'd have felt pretty good about myself. Well, Lord, you ain't giving me much. <laughs> I'm dandy. You know, it sucks to be a few people I know. You've given them all kinds of stuff. But we're thinking financially, aren't we? We're thinking the world's talking about. Wait a minute. What has Jesus given his servants, his children? Oh, he's given them forgiveness of all of their sins. He's given them the certainty of eternal life with him. He's given them the right to be called brother or sister of his. He's given them, oh, God said, I'm going to let you share in the inheritance I have for Jesus. We get to share in his inheritance. So I've got news for you. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you love Jesus, you have been given much. Amen. And Jesus is saying, that makes you more responsible, but I'll help you with that. When you keep your focus on me, I'll help you with that. I'll give you the words to say. I'll show you how to love well. Just keep your focus on me. Listen to me. Because living invitationally keeps the focus on Jesus. So as you invite people into your life, as you love others, and by the way, you demonstrate that with time and attention to them, right? That's how that's demonstrated. And so if you love them that way, if you keep Jesus the focus and the purpose, 
of your actions, you will be living invitationally, keeping the focus on him all the time. And you'll be ready. Be ready, my students. Be ready. All the time. All the time. And it will turn out for your good and for God's glory. Amen? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Jesus, you make it so clear to us when we just stop and ask you to, to show us what you're talking about and to present it to us in a way that we can, that we can live with, that we can understand. I, I'm just so thankful for that. And Lord, I pray that, that this message would impact our values and that as a family, we would become better lovers because of it. As a family, we'd become better givers because of it. As a family, we'd become more forgiving because of it. As your children, we'd become more like you. Thank you that you love us so much. You just help us walk through that and grow in that. And we're thankful for it. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to I give you a blessing from God's word, which he gives me the privilege of doing because he allows us to do that. And then I want to encourage you two things. Um, we're going to, we'll, we'll stand and worship. Uh, in fact, I'll have you stand when I give the blessing in just a second. But if you need prayer afterwards, if you're thinking about this, I got to figure out how this works. I want to really encourage you. Or maybe you got something else going in your life or there's somebody that you feel Jesus is calling you to invite into your life and you're not even sure how to do it. Uh, there'll be people right up here to my right, your left, after the service that would love to pray with you on those things. So can I just encourage you to do that? Now, now would you stand to receive his blessing and then we'll continue worshiping him. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you to give you his peace and his strength so you can live invitationally with the focus on Jesus. And all the people said, amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.